Welcome to the Celebration Community Church Podcast, where we exist to meet God, grow in Him, and serve through Him. Welcome to the C3 Podcast. My name is Nathan Perdue, and I just wanted to say thank you for listening today. Um, I Just as a forewarning, you're going to hear probably some of the zoo that is my home uh, whenever I record. Uh, my son, Ezra, uh, is always wanting to be featured, so if you hear some sounds of him playing with his mobile or something like that, I'm sorry about the uh, the audio quality, but eh, it's a little dose of cuteness as well. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. This is our 14th episode, and regardless of whether this is your first time listening or your 14th time listening or some time in between, I'm just grateful that you would give Derek and I and our guests an opportunity to be a part of your life in some way. We hope that this content is meaningful for you, that it's not just something that you feel obliged to listen to. I certainly hope that that is not the case, but that you have given us, in in whatever way you see, uh, a way to be a part of your spiritual life. And I think it's a very honoring thing to me, so I am very grateful for that. Last week, we talked to Patrick Turley, who is our youth minister at C3, and Pat is just a fun person to be around. He's a great personality. Sometimes he's got that boisterous Southern thing going on. Sometimes he has a reserved and and tender side, and he is very, very insightful, and he was talking about just his story. And last week on the TLDL, we talked about the power of testimony, which I just think is is your story. And Pat said something really interesting. He said, we're looking to figure out how an interaction with his story, his being Jesus, impacts your story. And I just wanted to explore that through the narrative arc of scripture today. Um, This isn't going to be an exhaustive list of what happens when we interact with Jesus. That takes a lifetime to figure out. But this is just a, a little snapshot of what it might look like and what an interaction with Jesus leads to or what it's about. First and foremost, I just wanted to start out with saying an interaction with Jesus is primarily relational. Through the witness of scripture, we have an attestation of the character of God and how Jesus interacts with the people of his time should be an indication of how he interacts with us today. I want to start with the gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus has gone through the Sermon on the Mount. He's traveling from place to place, and just listen to how Matthew describes this, starting in verse 36. He says this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, you might be expecting a little bit more in that, but no, I think that that little narrative 
tells us what Jesus looks at us like. He has compassion on us because oftentimes when we look at how our lives have gone, we can say, yeah, I feel pretty helpless about the things that are out of my control that influence what I do and how I think and how I live. But God, instead of being condemning, is first compassionate. He desires to go through and and meet with us. He begins to teach the crowds in this story. Jesus' character is also that of a healer. Countless times through the Gospels, Jesus goes to a place. He begins to instruct the people, and then he cures them of their physical maladies. Now, it's not just to alleviate suffering. It's to reveal the kingdom of God, but the relief of suffering is one of those things that Jesus offers. And whether that be in an actual physical sense or a spiritual sense for us today, I am not an authority to be able to make that distinction. But I think that it's important to note that Jesus is a healer and he heals our broken spiritual lives as well. That leads us to the next interaction with Jesus or aspect of the interaction with Jesus. An interaction with Jesus is redemptive. For the redemptive work of God, we're going to turn to Ephesians, which is in the New Testament. It'll be toward the end of your Bible. Chapter 2, verses 4 and ah, we'll go from 4 to about 10. And I don't want to miss the verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2. Those talk about being dead in our sin. But sometimes I think that we are so inwardly focused on how horrible we are that we forget the character and the activity of God as being far superior to that. So that's why I'm going to start in verse 4. And it says this. I'm just going to let it speak for itself. It's eloquent. It's beautiful. Let these words wash over you. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Jesus casts off the yoke of oppression for us, that we are no longer slaves to sin, bound to the passions of this world, but that we are made, redeemed, in Christ, that the old is gone and that the new has come. We can take solace and we can hope in that fact. The final aspect that I want to talk about about an interaction with Jesus is that an interaction with Jesus is transformational. And again, we'll go to the words of Paul. And this is going to be in the second letter to the Corinthians, starting in chapter 4, verse 16. And it says this, So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. 
And I don't think that this should be read in a way to diminish the physical material experience that we have right now, but it should be read in this understanding that through God, every day we are being transformed into the spiritual likeness of Christ that had a physical manifestation here, right? What did Christ do when he was on the, the earth? He went out and he saw people for who they were and he loved them through that and he provided a way to a more abundant life inside his kingdom. And I think that that's what an interaction with Jesus does for us as well. I think a lesson from this pandemic is that our bodies are finite. And unfortunately, we don't have a real understanding of how finite they are until probably too late. However, Paul invites us into a vision of life that says that we are growing, that we are maturing day by day trying to become more like Jesus and to try to do the things that he did when he was here on earth. Well, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about what an interaction with Jesus is. And if you've had an interaction with Jesus that you feel is something that could be an encouragement to others, man, will you get in touch with us? Will you email me at purdue at c3hays.com so that we can talk about your story and be mutually encouraged by each other's faith? I want this platform to be something to where we all can be encouraged and to run the race that has been set out before us in the language of the New Testament. Church, I hope that this is an encouragement to you. I hope that today you choose a life of transformation in the kingdom of God that is set to reconcile us. Remember that an interaction with Jesus is relational, it's redemptive, and it transforms us into the likeness of Christ. May it be so through the Spirit of God. Grace and peace, church. One of the things that I I do want to make sure that we do is we realize that we are bringing our perception of the world missions. Yeah. And then when we look at the Bible, we have, (laughs) except for Derek, we have an image (laughs) of of what that looks like. Five years ago, that would have looked like to me, you... um, have this obligation at some point in your life to go do something for a couple of weeks, probably in a, uh, an impoverished area, sure. maybe uh, regionally, maybe nationally, maybe globally. Right. Now, I think that I have a little bit more nuanced of, of a, a, a definition, uh, excuse me, a definition of, of missions, but one of those texts that's just like, okay, we are required to do something for, um, for bringing other people into the family of God is just Matthew 28, 19, and 20.